Hey everyone, I'm George Davis. Again, thanks for joining us for this service of the Hershey Free Church. As a reminder, we're going to be celebrating communion together a little later, so you might want to get the items you're going to use for that, and I'll give you a little time at the end of the service. Also, I just want to encourage you to be praying with us this week, because uh, this week is Crew Week here at Hershey Free Church. That's going to be this week. Crew stands for Kids. Really exciting week, and it's going to be meeting during the evenings of this week. We're going to have over 120 kids involved, over 70 volunteers in involved. And the theme is really called Operation Glow. Throughout the week, uh, our kids are going to learn about Jesus as the light of the world and what it means to live as part of what he is doing. So it's going to be an exciting week, a lot of activity here at our church campus. And uh, with that in mind, we've uh, prepared uh, really a week of prayer prompts so that you can pray each day specifically for things going on at Crew. Uh, we have these available on campus. Also, if you'd just like to see these electronically, we've included them in the e-bulletin this week, and you can also find them on the kids page at hfcinfo.com. So with all that's going to be happening this week, as I get started, I, I just wanted to really pray for Crew. So would, would you join me in praying for that? Gracious God, as our kids are going to be uh, meeting this week, and, and even friends and, and kids from uh, other parts of our community, I just thank you for those who are going to be investing in, in them throughout the week. We, we pray not only for safety, but we pray for the start of new relationships. We pray for good interaction, and we just pray for an openness to the message of Jesus. And we thank you for uh, what's going to happen this week and different ways in which you are going to be at work. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, we look forward next week to kind of giving you a wrap-up of what this week at Crew has entailed. Now, if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, as we continue our journey through this book, we've entitled this journey, Deeply Rooted Together. Last week, uh, Rose and I were actually in Phoenix part of the week. Uh, One of our sons has just moved there with his job, and so we were helping him settle into his new place. While we were there, we actually we had dinner with three couples that are friends of ours, really longtime friends that live in that area, live in that region. And it was interesting, during our time together, one of my friends pulled me aside at one point during the evening. And I don't know, I don't know if this is true or not, but perhaps she was just sensing that for me, as a dad, there was a certain, you know, sense of loss, even a certain level of anxiety watching my son move. 2,200 miles away. And so she pulled me aside, and I think perhaps sensitive to some of the things I was thinking about. After all, she's, she's a mother and a grandmother. She's even seen parts of her family move to other regions of the world. And, and anyway, she pulls me aside, and, and here's what she said. And she was talking about my son. She said, George, he will do fine. George, this will go well for him. And, you know, just, these were just really simple statements, just a, a few short words. But I've got to tell you, at that moment, kind of going through that experience, these were, these were life-giving words of encouragement to me. These really were words, at that moment, processing all of this, words that I needed to hear. 
Today, we're, we're uh, continuing our journey through Colossians. And over the next few moments, here's what I want to ask you to do. Will you allow the Apostle Paul to kind of pull you aside? Even as I was pulled aside by my friend a few days ago. Will you, will you allow the Apostle Paul to pull you aside? And in the midst of all that you're going through, just give you a few life-giving words of encouragement. Now, remember, Paul, Paul is writing to a church that is facing particular challenges, um, particularly the challenges of having to deal with false teaching that has crept into the church. And, and he wants them to respond to these challenges well. And he's giving them in this letter guidance on how to do that. And, and really central to what he's doing in this letter is he's reminding them of, of their identity. Here's who you are as a follower of Christ, right? We saw this in the opening paragraph of chapter 3. And then in light of who they are, in light of their identity, he tells them that there are certain habits, certain traits that they need to put off, that they need to starve, uh, because those traits are inconsistent with who they are. We saw that last week, really verses 5 through 11 of chapter 3. And now, as we continue through this chapter, Paul says, as you, as you put off these old habits, there are new habits that you need to develop. Habits that reflect your new identity. And in saying this, Paul uses several terms to describe their new identity. And, and it's like he pulls them aside and he says, remember this. And here are the terms he uses. He says, you were chosen, you were holy, you were dearly loved. Now, now if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, um, think, of, think about the biggest challenges that you are facing right now. Maybe it's just the reality of, of the responsibilities that are part of your life, whatever they look like. Maybe there are certain obstacles or transitions that you're working through. Maybe there's some relational issues right now that you're trying to sort out or, or decisions that you're trying to make. Just think about kind of whatever feels really big in your life right now. And, and as you think about that, if you're a follower of Christ, also just kind of imagine the Apostle Paul coming to you, pulling you aside, and in the midst of all that, looking at you and saying, but remember, you were chosen, you were holy, you are dearly loved. Now, I realize you might be saying, okay, okay, George, I hear the words, but you know what? Right now, I don't feel that way. I don't really feel chosen or holy or dearly loved. Furthermore, you, even, you may even wonder as we come back to chapter 3, why does Paul even use this language? I mean, why does he call these people holy when he's just talked to them about habits they need to get rid of, like anger and malice? How can he call them holy? Well, as we come to verse 12 in chapter 3 and we read this language, I think it's important to understand that the, these terms that Paul uses are actually deeply embedded in the pages of Scripture. For instance, you, you see these same themes used in the way the Old Testament talks about Israel and Israel's mission. For instance, uh, this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 7. Notice the same three themes. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his 
people, his, right, his treasured possession, his people who are dearly loved. So in, in using this language, Paul is using language that is deeply embedded in Scripture. And Paul isn't saying, look, he's not pulling you aside and saying, look, you're perfect. But he is pulling you aside and saying, look, your, your life is now part of something bigger. I, I know that certain things maybe in your life seem to be all-consuming right now, but don't lose sight of the fact that your life is part of something bigger. You were chosen. You're, you're holy. That is, you're set apart as a follower of Christ. You have been called into God's mission of, of renewal and restoration that's made possible through Christ's work. And And you're now part of this. Don't lose sight of this. And understand that you are going to be dearly loved all along the way. Therefore, Paul says, in light of who you are, and this is who you are, these words of encouragement describe who you are. Therefore, in light of who you are, I want you to embrace a particular way of life. And what does that life look like? Well, that's really what we start to see in in verse 12. Paul says, says, therefore, right, and hear those terms, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, notice this, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul says, I want you in light of who you are. He pulls you aside and says, look, this is who you are. Now in light of who you are, I want you to develop these kinds of habits, these patterns of of interacting with others, these habits that are what it looks like to live out your identity. (laughs) Now notice, notice the word choice here. This is fascinating. Notice he doesn't say, um, you know, as God's chosen people, you need to be holy or excuse me, as God's chosen people, you need to be compassionate, kind, and humble. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says, as God's chosen people, clothe yourself. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, etc. So instead of simply saying you need to do this, he says, I want you to put this on. I want you to clothe yourself with this. And that may seem like an odd choice of terminology, In fact, it may even seem superficial, right? (laughs) It's like someone looking at you after, you know, you've gotten frustrated with a particular situation. They look at you and said, okay, you need to put on your happy face, right? That feels fake. And maybe this language almost feels superficial to you when he says, well, just put this on. Just clothe yourself with this. But there are a couple of reasons why I think Paul uses this language. First of all, in the ancient world, what you wore, your clothing, was very much a sign of who you were, of your identity. In the ancient world, your, your clothing told a lot about you, your status, your occupation. It just expressed who you were. It was all communicated through your clothes. And uh, maybe in our context, think about, in a similar way, think about putting on a uniform. Some of us are in occupations, or we do things where uh, we put on a uniform when we go to work. I mean, think about the clothes, the tools that are associated with certain occupations, right? I mean, when you, when you see people in scrubs, we think about the medical profession. When you see someone with this, uni- with this kind of clothing, we, well, this is a firefighter. When we, <laughs> we see kids with backpacks, well, well, they're going to school, right? That's part of the uniform. When we See someone wearing a tool belt. Well, this person's in construction. These are, right, these are different uniforms, different part of the clothing of different occupations. 
And in a similar way, Paul is saying, in light of who you are, in light of the fact that you're chosen, you're holy, uh, you're dearly loved, put on the uniform of your new identity. So I think he chooses this language because clothing was associated with identity. Furthermore, I think he chooses this language because it, it implies action. I mean, if, if a uniform is part of your job, when you put that uniform on, it's, it's time to take action. When you put that tool belt on, it's time to go to work. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, I, I want you to put on the uniform of being a follower of Jesus, to put on the uniform that reflects your new identity. And once again, notice that the attributes he mentions are all about how we relate to others, how we interact with others. Now, I realize at first glance, when you read these attributes that he's saying put on, you know, kindness, gentleness, patience, they they may seem weak. They may seem passive. Yet remember, at different places in the New Testament, all of these terms are actually used to describe the life and ministry of Jesus. And I think the common theme in all of these traits is this. As as we live out our new identity, we are to be for one another. For one another. All of these are, are really different dimensions of loving one another well. I mean, think, think for a moment about the concept of humility. It's a term that's easily misunderstood because in Scripture, humility is not about, you know, self-deprecation. It's not about putting yourself down. Humility is about self-forgetfulness. It's about not being so consumed by myself that, that I'm able to be for others in tangible ways. And I think you'll see this. A humble person is someone who can be fully present with you because they're not just focused on themselves. I was, uh, I was working through this text this week, and, and really here's how this text challenged me as I read these different attributes, right, about being for one another. This is part of what it means for me to live out my identity. I mentioned uh, having dinner with friends at, in Phoenix, and at the end of that dinner, another one of my friends who was there got up and he went to his car. And as we were still leaving the restaurant, he came, he came back in, and he, he hands me this book. And he's involved now. Part of his work involves leadership coaching. And we talked about that, and he said, hey, this is, this is a book I want you to have. It's a book um, that I wrote to use with my work. And so I thanked him. He inscribed it for me. It was great. And in so many ways, books are my love language, so this was really cool. And uh, on the way home and over the next couple of days, I started reading parts of this book that he wrote. And interestingly, at different parts of the book, he tells uh, different scenes from his own life story. He shares part of his life story. And in reading some of those pages and reading some of those scenes, I realized, you know, there, there are dimensions to some of the stuff he's gone through in life that I never knew about. Uh, there, there are challenges that he's faced that I wasn't aware of. And I mean, I'm, I've known him. I've known him more than 25 years, and, and on, on some of the pages, I was kind of, kind of scratching my head going, how did I not know this? How was I unaware of this? And I realized maybe at times, I mean, we don't see each other that often, but maybe at times I, 
I wasn't always good at catching up and reconnecting. Maybe at times I, I wasn't always fully present in, in, in asking good questions. And so I, I walked away from that experience saying, I, I just I want to make sure moving forward, he knows <laughs> that I'm for him. And I, I want to I be someone who really is a good friend, particularly given some of the challenges that he has faced. Now, with that in mind, just think about some of the key relationships in your life. Think about some of the key relationships in your life right now. If you're part of our church community, think about some of the relationships that you have here in our church family. If you're part of one of our groups, a connect group, a live, love, lead group, think about some of those relationships. And what is it? What does it look like for you to be for those people? Right? You can't connect with everyone here, but what does it look like for you to be for those people that you know in those relationships? Because that's, that's part of what Paul is encouraging us to do, to put on this uniform of our new identity, and this is what it looks like to be for one another. In fact, even, even as I say this, maybe, maybe in your mind there, there are just one or two action steps that, that come up. You know, I need to check in with this person on, on this issue, or they brought this up a few months ago. I never followed through, and seeing how that went, you know, how can I be for this person? Maybe even now there are certain themes that come to your mind, Of course, all of this is great, but here's where this gets complicated, okay? Let's be honest. You know, it's great to talk about, yeah, we need to be for one another. We need to invest in relationships, and that's what Paul is doing. But we need to understand. We need to just be honest and say, but when we do this, when we take this seriously, at times there's going to be conflict. At times there's going to be disagreement. At times we will get hurt. At times we will hurt others. So notice how Paul continues, right? (laughs) He says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. I love the practicality, the realism of this section because here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, look, as you live out your identity, as you develop relationships, as you invest in relationships, at times, it's just not going to go well. Just be prepared for that. Don't be surprised by that. At times, we're going to see things differently. At times, we're going to approach certain issues differently. At times, we're going to have to bear with one another. At times, we're going to hurt one another. We're going to have to learn to forgive. And the truth is, for some of us, this has been part of the challenge of the last year, year and a half. For some of us, we've really found ourselves stretched in relationships in ways we've never been stretched before. Maybe dealing with COVID, maybe dealing with politics. In some of our relationships, we found ourselves seeing things differently. And and relationships that used to seem easy have gotten more complicated. Some of you, you've experienced this at your workplace. You've experienced it in your families. You've experienced it here at church. And this is where living out our identity really becomes hard. It's it's where it becomes challenging. It's where it may reach a point where it seems unrealistic, right? Where you may find yourself asking, you know, how do I do this? How does this happen, right? How do I really take this seriously, what Paul is talking about, when relationships get complicated? And as we wrestle with how realistic this may seem to be, Notice how the passage continues, because I I think Paul, he really gives us two practices, two rhythms that can help us relate to one another well, that can help us live out our identity well, even when the situation 
becomes complicated, like it really has done over the, the last year. And first of all, I, I think he, he highlights the importance of thinking well, right? If you're going to live out your identity, you, you need to, to make sure you're thinking clearly. And here's, here's where I see that. Look how the passage continues, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Now, as, as we unpack this, notice, notice this phrase, peace of Christ. I think this is the peace that Christ has achieved. He's, he's referenced the peace of Christ already in chapter 1, right? It's the peace that Christ has accomplished through the cross and resurrection. It, it's peace that brings us back into relationship with God, and that's reconciliation. And it's the peace that now gives us the strength and the power to relate to one another well. And, and really, the result of this peace, among other things, is, is that we are now, as believers, secure in the promises of God. As a result of this peace, we are now secure in the reality that we are chosen, that we are holy, that we are dearly loved. So that's the peace of Christ. But then notice the verb in this, in this passage. It's let the peace of Christ rule. And the idea here is is to judge, to rule. You can even translate it this way, to referee. So here's what Paul is saying. As you encounter different circumstances and situations, he says, I want the peace of Christ to referee your thinking. I want the peace of Christ (laughs) to call balls and strikes. And I think this is really important because here's, here's what happens. When When my life gets complicated, when it gets stressed, when relationships become more difficult, as they have over the last year, it can be easy for me to fall into distorted thinking. And and when I fall into distorted thinking, it's going to be hard to take this way of life that Paul is describing. It's going to be hard for me to take that seriously. It's going to be hard for me to really be for others when my thinking is distorted. That's why Paul says, in the midst of what you're going through, I want the peace of Christ to govern, to referee, to umpire your thinking, not distorted thinking. Just in thinking about examples of distorted thinking, let me just highlight these. I've mentioned these before, but let me just highlight kind of examples of distorted thinking for you again. First of all, all or nothing thinking, right? I find myself, things have gotten complicated in a relationship, and it's kind of all or nothing. If it's not perfect, it's totally wrong. Maybe if we've hit a disagreement, I I act as if we can never move forward. How about over... Generalization, overgeneralizing. I, you know, I maybe I overgeneralize about myself as life gets complicated. I always do this. I can never get it right. Or maybe in, in our relationship, I overgeneralize about you. You always do this. You you never get it right. As one person has said, our anxieties speak the language of absolutes. So in complicated situations, our thinking can be distorted when we overgeneralize. Related to that catastrophizing, right? I get into a complex situation, I just, it's, I just always presume the worst. When things get complicated, I go to the absolute worst-case scenario about you. When things get complicated in a relationship, I, I presume the worst. I presume the worst motivation. Catastrophic thinking can, is an example of distorted thinking. Maybe in complicated situations, I discount the positive, right? Once a relationship gets complicated, all I see are the negatives. Everything else I overlook. 
One other example of distorted thinking is is self-blame. Things get complicated, and I just take on all the blame myself, even for things beyond my control. We could give further examples, but I think some of us probably see ourselves in some of these examples. And if you do see yourself in one of these, understand it's hard to respond well to complicated situations when your thinking is distorted. That's why Paul is saying, look, I don't want you to get caught in distorted thinking. If you're going to live out this way of life that I'm describing, if you're really going to live out your calling as someone who's chosen, who's, who's deeply loved, if you're going to live that out, you can't get stuck in this way of thinking. You need to let the peace of Christ referee your thinking. For instance, if I have a tendency to catastrophize my thinking in situations. Maybe you and I, we've had a disagreement about COVID. We look at it differently or what it looks like to come out of COVID. We think differently about that. And if, if I'm always presuming the worst, it's, it's easy for me to do that in this situation and, and perhaps even let an unnecessary rift enter into our relationship. So Paul says, don't do that. Let the peace of Christ umpire your thinking and how you approach this even in our relationship as believers, to come back, right, to to who we are, right? Come back to what we have in common as as those who are chosen, who are holy, who are dearly loved. So that that peace of Christ kind of umpires our thinking in, in difficult situations. So I think one of the rhythms Paul encourages us to develop to live out this new way of life is, look, you've got to develop certain patterns of thinking very briefly, secondly, he says, I think we need to develop certain habits of community. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. When he talks about the message of Christ here, he's talking about the truth of the gospel and its implications. And and all of this really boils down to this. We need to be in relationships, and we need to be in environments that encourage us in the gospel. Paul says, look, you can't really embrace your new identity unless you're part of a community. It's going to be hard to live that out well if you're not in these kinds of relationships, relationships where you're learning, relationships where other people are for you, encouraging you, praying with you, at times challenging you, helping you grow. Notice that Paul even argues that uh, one of the purposes of, of, of gathering together, of singing together, of worshiping together, is that it, it encourages, it's an, it's an opportunity for us to encourage one another. So as, as Paul highlights the importance of community, this is something that we are trying to do even now. Uh, this is one of the reasons why even now, you know, as, as we're kind of working our way through the summer, that we are focusing on reconnecting. This is one of the reasons why I've encouraged you to think about, you know, what, what are steps that you can take to reconnect in, in relationships that are part of our church body that are important to you? What can you do to reconnect in those relationships? Likewise, along those lines, if you're new and uh, some of you are You've joined us online. You haven't had the opportunity to be with us, but if you're looking to connect in person, or if you've been part of our church and you're now ready to rejoin us in person, let me just remind you that coming up on June 27th, as we end our study of Colossians, 
Uh, we're going to have one service at 1030. It'll be outdoors under the tent, and that will be followed by food trucks. So it's going to be, for some of you, it'll be a great opportunity to connect. For others, it will be a great opportunity to reconnect. And remember, this is important because Paul says, look, this rhythm, this habit of community is one of the things you need to live out your new identity well. So Paul pulls you aside. He pulls me aside and says, look, I want to encourage you to live out this new identity that you have as a follower of Jesus. I want you, I want you to put on the uniform of following him, and this is what it looks like. I want you to put it on so that it, it overflows into the relationships that you have with others. To do this well, you're going to need to develop certain patterns of thinking. Particularly in, in crisis situations, you need to let the peace of Christ umpire your thinking. Likewise, you need to be involved in community. You need to be in relationships where people are really building into you, encouraging you with the truth of the gospel. And he looks at you, he looks at me, and he says, and I'm telling you to embrace this. I'm telling you to grab hold of this. Because here's what I want you to know. You truly are chosen. You're chosen. You're holy. You're set apart to be a participant in something bigger than yourself. And all along the way, you are dearly loved by the one who gave himself for you through the cross and resurrection. With that in mind, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, as we come to this passage, we are challenged to see what it looks like to live out our identity as followers of Jesus. And Father, I, I, pray that, uh, I pray that these words would hit home. I pray that we would kind of wrestle with what this looks like in the context of our relationships to embrace our identity. And Father, I pray uh, that we would just take seriously this season of reconnection. Maybe even now you'd bring to mind uh, you know, opportunities that we have to reconnect with others, steps that we can take to build into relationships. I pray even now some of us are, are marking on our calendars June 27th, and we want to be a part of that and just look forward to not only worshiping together, but sitting around a table with friends and just eating together and, and enjoying what will hopefully be a beautiful day together. Because we're, we're part of this community. And, and being in these relationships is part of what it looks like to put on the, the uniform, to clothe ourselves in the truth of our new identity. I pray that we would take that seriously. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we are shortly going to share and, and celebrate communion together. So uh, this time I'm going to encourage you to uh, get the elements that you are going to use as our worship team leads us again. Hopefully at this time you've gotten the elements, the, the bread, the juice, whatever that you are going to use in celebrating this time of communion together. So uh, with that in mind, let me remind you of this scene where Jesus brings his disciples together. <laughs> and really in a tangible way, he is communicating to them the truth that they are chosen, that they are holy, and they are dearly loved. And he's about to do that through the gift of his own life. And so as he prepares them for what is about to happen, he takes the bread, 
and says, this is my body. It's broken for you. He takes the cup and says, this is my blood that is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's share in this together. Now, throughout this series, as, as we have been working our way through Colossians, we've also been spending time just praying through the book. In fact, I've encouraged you to kind of pray through the book with us. And with that in mind, as we close, let me, let me just pray this passage for you. So join me in prayer right now. Gracious God, as Paul invites us, to live out this new way of life, as he invites us to, to really learn to be for one another, as he challenges us to develop a real, uh, certain rhythms that help us do that, uh, certain patterns of thinking and patterns of community. All of that is grounded on your previous work of grace. And all of that means that we really are people who were chosen, who were holy, set apart, who are dearly loved. And Father, I know in the midst of all that's going on for, in, in the lives of, of the people of our church community, there's some of us that just deeply need to hear those words of encouragement right now. Even as my friend pulled me aside <laughs> at a dinner in Phoenix, Father, for some of us right now, your spirit just needs to pull us aside and remind us, look, I know what you're going through. I know the challenges that are in front of you. But in the midst of that, do not lose sight of the fact that you were chosen. You're holy. You're set apart. And even now, you are dearly loved. Father, I I pray your spirit would do that work even now. In Jesus' name, amen. So now as we start this new week, let's, let's put on the uniform. As, as people who, who really are chosen and holy and dearly loved, let's let that overflow into our relationships well this week. Amen. <laughs>